This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica, how are you doing today? Are you alive? I am so alive, because the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened yet. Thank God. Well, it happened, but it's all better now. I guess. As long as we have Rob Caudry. Caudry? I'll never say his last name right. It's foreign to me. (laughs) This is episode number 35 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Warm Bodies. If you're new to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio, focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the movie and you would appreciate that kind of spoiler-filled conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. This week, we're going to be talking about warm bodies because due to some some scheduling issues, I'm kind of relieved to say (laughs) that I, I was not able to see Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, or Parker or movie 43. So I'm very glad that did, that we did not have to record an episode on any of those movies. I was not looking forward to that. Wait, are those really movies? I think they are. I don't believe you. I think in 20 years we'll probably forget that they ever happened. Okay. But I think that th- those were actually movies. Okay. If you say so. I don't believe you, but all right. Well, uh, before we talk warm bodies, Monica, you got a chance to see the other semi-major release that came out this weekend, and that is the new movie starring Sylvester Stallone. Is it Bullet to the Head or Bullet in the Head? Bullet to the Head. Monica, was that movie a bullet to your head? Uh, eh? Did it make you long for a bullet to the head? Because the, the, the previews kind of made it seem that way to me. I watched the trailers and was like, oh no, I can't believe that this is happening. You know, if this was like a midnight movie, I would believe it better because it feels like such a throwback. Like the only thing that seems out of place is the fact that Stallone is old. Basically, we could have just taken this from the 1980s and as long as it wasn't shot digitally or so it didn't have as much lighting or whatever it basically would have been another sort of buddy cop drama does the does the fact that he's old actually come into play in the movie it's exactly the same premise as the last stand well not exactly the same but it's the same joke is that oh these are these uh buff action heroes and they still they still got it man and they'll still you know kick the youngins and they'll, you know, they'll prove their worth to society with these hyper-masculine roles that they throw out there. Well, like, The Last Stand, would they, it, it joked about the fact that Schwarzenegger was old, and that seemed to come into play a little bit. Like, th- yeah. I think there, there was a little bit of tension there, at least in that final confrontation, because it was like, okay, yeah, it's Schwarzenegger, but he is getting old. Will he be able to fight this much younger guy 
and when. Yeah. And it seemed like they did reference his age a few times throughout the movie. Yeah, Stallone was kind of the same thing, and like more or less okay. the, one of the side jokes was that the uh, buddy cop that he gets paired with jokes a lot about getting on with his daughter. With Stallone's Getting on daughter. With Stallone's daughter. Stallone's daughter. Okay. Yeah. This is the the aging. It's, yeah, it's, he's a Korean American actor, so that's another thing that's kind of like made me uneasy watching the film is that there's so much kind of just casual racist humor, and it's like, oh, this is this is really a throwback to the '80s, where you know Eddie Murphy was still making jokes like that in 48 Hours of uh, Beverly Hills Cop, where right now it's kind of like, uh, I don't think you should really be calling him a samurai or, you know, nicknaming him Confucius. I don't know if that <laughs> works too well. In terms of the actual role, like, yes, it is an old stereotype that the Asian Asian actors are typically cast in supporting roles. Yeah. Is he an actual character, or is he basically just... The Asian sidekick. He's the naive good cop in a sea of corruption is what I wrote. And, you know, he's smart. He's good with his cell phone. He probably made the cell phone, right? Is that racist? That's like a joke that would be in the movie, right? It might be. I can't remember. I'd like to forget it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it wasn't like a terrible movie. I like the action sequences. The guy who played Conan, everything's blinking right now, but that guy... Oh, Jason... Jason Momoa. Yeah. Yeah, he he came back and kind of played a barbarian club bouncer thug that was like a trained assassin, and that's kind of Stallone's competition. So the showdown between him and Stallone are amusing, but ultimately it's the... I completely blanking on this character's name <laughs> it's a really forgettable movie <laughs> overall i mean is it is it like as good as the last stand no. better than the last stand uh wow i mean would you recommend people see it god i hate january it's february well now it's february but did it come out in no was it february 1st or something like that february 1st it's like hangover it's <laughs> it just showed up from january <laughs> Um, meh, I mean, don't rush out to see it. So so that's the thing. It's directed by Walter Hill, who's this great 70s action director, and it just really feels like a throwback. So if that's, if that's your kind of movie and you're feeling nostalgic for that kind of stuff and you really want to see, you know, Stallone back in action, go, go right ahead. But I'm not really in love with it to say, like, guys, this is what you should be spending your money on right now. Okay. I'd Good to know. much rather prefer warm bodies actually. Guilty guilty pleasure. Well then let's talk warm bodies then. Let's let's get it hot hot like a zombie. That is the main movie we'll be talking about this week. Monica, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little information about the movie and then we'll dive right into our discussion. Sure. This uh, Warm Bodies was directed by Jonathan Levine, and it stars Nicholas Holt as a zombie named R in a post apocalyptic world who falls in love with a living woman named Julie, played by Teresa Palmer. It's kind of like Twilight meets Zombies with some Shakespeare thrown in for good measure, just in case you didn't pick up the R and the Julie as Romeo and Juliet. Yes, and, and Rob Corddry plays his friend who is named Marcus and, you know, 
what yes. was what was Romeo's best friend in the play, like Mir Mer- Mercutio or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a, a couple little references to Romeo and Juliet in there. But yeah. uh, all right, here's a clip. My life. I'm so pale. I should get out more. I should eat better. My posture is terrible. I should stand up straighter. People would respect me more if I stood up straighter. What's wrong with me? I just want to connect. Why can't I connect with people? Oh, right. It's because I'm dead. I shouldn't be so hard on myself. I mean, we're all dead. This girl's dead. That guy's dead. That guy in the corner is definitely dead. These guys look awful. I wish I could introduce myself, but I don't remember my name anymore. I mean, I think it started with an R, but that's all I have left. I can't remember my name, or my parents, or my job. Although my hoodie would suggest I was unemployed. Oh man, they call these guys bonies. They don't bother us much, but they lead anything with a heartbeat. I mean, I will too, but at least I'm conflicted about it. This is part one of our episode on Warm Bodies, so we're just going to take ten minutes to give some general spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. I am starting the clock now. Monica, I get the impression, based on what you said earlier, that you like this movie. I did like this movie. Well, why? Like that. <laughs> Tell um, me why. I think it was just a cute little rom-com. Like, it's, it's silly and preposterous. Why not? I, I like that they made Julie more of an empowered heroine than Kristen Stewart's Bella Swan. I like mm-hmm. to pretend I don't know as much about Twilight as I do. <laughs> yeah. But no, I actually kind of enjoyed it. They each, you know, had their own strengths and they pulled together to survive. It was a cute little, it was a cute little movie. Like, I can dig it. Is this when February officially starts? Cause I- I'll take it. Yeah. It was, it was not a bad movie. I had laughs. I laughed. Yeah, it's funny, it's cute. I didn't groan like a zombie throughout it. It has a lot of problems, and and we'll talk about those some in part two, but ultimately, I was won over at the end of the day, and I think a lot of that has to do with just its overall sense of optimism. Like, this is the most positive movie (laughs) I've seen in such a long time. I mean, not only is it this happy love story yeah but it changes the world yeah it's it's like yeah man we can we can change the world with love if only we love zombies too yeah yeah (laughs) and it's not a very dark movie like there are some bad zombies that show up and are supposed to be dangerous and threatening and that's a, that's a slight complaint. It doesn't feel like the stakes in this movie are very high, and there's not any sense of menace, or there, there's not a real villain. Other than, you know, the creepy zombies, the zombie 2.0. Right. Bonies. The bonies. But other than that, you, you know, it, it's just a very simplistic little love story. You can probably guess where the plot is going a mile away. It's very, very predictable, but it, but I, I, I liked it. It was funny. It made me laugh. I, I kind of was rooting for their relationship. It, I didn't hate every person in it like I pretty much do with Twilight. And, of course, this is, this is getting a lot of comparisons to Twilight, and I think that there are some actual 
subconscious references to Twilight in the movie, which we can talk about in part two. But I, I felt like Jonathan Levine was very much trying to to distance himself from Twilight. He definitely, I mean, he had a sense of humor about it. Yes, he definitely has a sense of humor. Whereas Twilight is so perfect for spoofing because it takes everything so seriously. Yes, way too seriously. It's so it's nothing but brooding. Yeah, and, and everything moping. is awful forever. So that's not much of a fun movie. Whereas this one's like it pokes fun at insecurity and immaturity and just not knowing where you fit in. I liked it. I have some issues with the world building and how it I'll be perfectly honest. If you start to sit back and think about this post-apocalyptic world and mm-hmm. how things work, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And there's a lot of unanswered questions and things that just don't add up. And I think there are a lot of interesting things the movie could have explored within this world that it kind of will briefly touch on. Wait, you wanted a little romantic comedy to get meta deep? On existential, like, half the, over half the human race is dying and are dead and walking the face of the earth, and you want it to, to be serious about it? I didn't want it to get deep, but there were some interesting little ways in which Levine plays with zombie lore and, and our common perceptions of zombies mm-hmm. that I think he could have done a lot more with. I okay. mean, thankfully... Warm Bodies doesn't completely toss most zombie canon out the window like yeah. Twilight does with vampires. Sparkly vampires. It's like a Lisa Frank folder. Yes, thankfully these zombies don't sparkle in the sunlight or, I don't know, shoot rainbows out of their eyes when they get <laughs> shot in the head or something. I, I don't know. These are definitely zombies that we've seen before in terms of how they work within the world. But at the same time, there are a few little things that I thought were interesting and that I wanted to know more about that the the movie just kind of ignores, which I thought was unfortunate. I mean, it, it's a very, very simple movie when you get right down to it. Very simple. People still go to McDonald's because it's simple and it's, you know, done when you hand them over five bucks. Right. At the end of the day, I came away feeling like this was a pretty decent movie. Uh, I enjoyed myself, but I was also kind of frustrated because I felt like, man, if there were a few things that if if they had just developed it a little bit more, if this script had gone through a few more drafts, I think this would be an absolutely knockout, fantastic film. But as it stands, it's just kind of a fun, little, predictable piece of fluff. But, yeah, overall, I I liked it, and it sounds like you did, too. Mm-hmm. One of the few <laughs> so far this year. What did you think of the performances? I feel like most people probably won't recognize Nicholas Holt or Teresa Palmer. Uh, I know Nicholas Holt was in X-Men First Class, mm-hmm. where he played Hank McCoy. Yeah, who happened to be in blue makeup right. for half the movie. And Teresa Palmer, I know, had a supporting role in I Am Number 4, I think, and I I haven't seen a lot of the other movies she's been in. So I'm not, I mean, this isn't a movie that's going to draw people for its star power, but I thought that 
both the leads did a very good job. Yeah, no, I think they, I think they, you know, carried the film. It was funny. You know, I kind of believed in their relationship. If that's what you're looking for. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was kind of funny that Nicholas Holt manages to infuse more life into his performance as an undead zombie than Robert Pattinson managed to do <laughs> in Twilight. Well, that's almost kind of not hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's true. It, it's not very difficult. I think I have more expression on my face when I'm sleeping than when you know, <laughs> Stewart is acting in the movie. <laughs> I mean, Nicholas Holt just spends most of the movie grunting and moaning and, and awkwardly trying to form words and it was still more compelling <laughs> yeah. than Robert Pattinson. I think it also helped that we, we heard his internal dialogue as well. I mean, obviously, they, it gives him a lot more depth to it. And usually, like, I'm very picky about voiceover because you can always end up with the deadpan Blade Runner thing that kills, that I feel like flattens the movie. Or you have the overtell where they say it and then it happens on the screen again. And I think this is a perfect balance of things happening on the screen and the commentary to supplement it. Right. It reminded me of another zombie movie that came out a few years ago, Zombieland, in which voiceover was also used to just kind of set up the world, set up a char the character's internal dialogue with himself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is about zombie movies, but for whatever reason, voiceovers seem to work well in zombie movies. Sure. Lately. Lately. I was going to say, that wasn't the case, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Right. But yeah, and it, it does feel similar to Zombieland just in terms of its overall tone. It's very light, very fluffy, uh, lots of witty banter mm -hmm. and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun little movie. John Malkovich shows up in a supporting role. Yes. He's fine. I mean, he's a protective dad. <laughs> yeah, there's not much of a character there for him to work with. Yeah. And R Rob Corddry, as you mentioned, plays the best friend, the sidekick role. And I actually thought he was fantastic. Just his, his comedic timing and the way, it, just his expressions. Yeah, I thought he nailed it. Yeah, I mean, he gets it. Usually, all the time. Yeah, I know I he, he's very good at comedy, mm -hmm. but even more so than usual, I thought. He was just really on his game. I mean, I thought he movie. played the comic foil well. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, fun little piece of fluff. Yeah. Could have been better, but it's it, I, I still enjoyed myself. <laughs> so Getting too picky now. I would recommend that people go check it out. What about you? Yes, go see it. You'd recommend Warm Bodies over Bullet to the Head? You know what? I just pulled up the box office numbers. It looks like America has spoken and Warm Bodies opened at number one last week, while Bullet to the Head opened at number six. So I think most people took our advice preemptively. So is this a situation in which mainstream America actually did the right thing? Yes. And boy, am I proud. All it's right. All good. Good for you, America. <laughs> Oh, can I give a quick shout out to, I guess, Annalie Tipton, who plays the friend of Teresa Palmer's, Julie, uh, in the movie. I thought she was yes. the, the other great comedic foil. She's a good sidekick. Oh, yeah. She, she's always great. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, she did a very good job. Any other thoughts on Warm Bodies before we move on to spoilers in part two? Oh, I guess now that I also have it up, 
I wanted to give, I wanted to name the act, the Korean American actor who was, uh, Stallone's co-star for Bullet to the Head. And that's Sung Kang. And he, his character's name is Taylor Kwan. Wanted to get my facts right. Okay. It was important to me. I'm <laughs> going way back to the beginning of the episode. Good to know. Give credit where credit is due. But anyways, yeah, I'm done. I'm good. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up for part one of our episode on warm bodies here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in to part two of our discussion for a much more in-depth look at the film. And don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing either side effects or identity thief. Side effects. Side effects. Because it's Soderbergh. What's wrong with Melissa McCarthy? I didn't see it. I saw side <laughs> effects. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see how it how it is. All right. I mean, isn't most of my decisions based like that? <laughs> yeah, to, to a certain extent. <laughs> to an extent. All right. Well, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on the Twitters at MCastingMovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. And they can usually find my reviews reposted um, online at the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofka.org. B-O-F-C-A dot, wait, dot com. Sorry. <laughs> you said dot org last time and now I said dot org. It's dot com. <laughs> Darn you, Andrew. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener and I will follow you back. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.